Section 12 of Chapter 22 of A History of England. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Richard Carpenter. History of England by Thomas Babington Macaulay. Chapter 22, Section 12. There was, indeed, reason for joy and thankfulness. England had passed through severe trials, and had come forth renewed in health and vigor. Ten years before, it had seemed that both her liberty and her independence were no more. Her liberty she had vindicated by a just and necessary revolution. Her independence she had reconquered by a not less just and necessary war. She had successfully defended the order of things established by the Bill of Rights against the mighty monarchy of France, against the aboriginal population of Ireland, against the avowed hostility of the non-jurors, against the more dangerous hostility of traitors who were ready to take an oath and whom no oath could bind. Her open enemies had been victorious on many fields of battle. Her secret enemies had commanded her fleets and armies, had been in charge of her arsenals, had ministered at her altars, had taught at her universities, had swarmed in her public offices, had sate in her parliament, had bowed and fawned in the bedchamber of her king. More than once it had seemed impossible that anything could avert a restoration which would inevitably have been followed first by proscriptions and confiscations, by violation of fundamental laws and the persecution of the established religion, and then by a third rising up of the nation against that house, which two depositions and two banishments had only made more obstinate in evil. To the dangers of war and the dangers of treason had recently been added the dangers of a terrible financial and commercial crisis. But all those dangers were over. There was peace abroad and at home. The kingdom, after many years of ignominious vassalage, had resumed its ancient place in the first rank of European powers. Many signs justified the hope that the revolution of 1688 would be our last revolution. The ancient constitution was adapting itself by a natural, a gradual, a peaceful development to the wants of a modern society. Already freedom of conscience and freedom of discussion existed to an extent unknown in any preceding age. The currency had been restored. Public credit had been re-established. Trade had revived. The exchequer was overflowing. There was a sense of relief everywhere, from the royal exchange to the most secluded hamlets among the mountains of Wales and the fens of Lincolnshire. The ploughmen, the shepherds, the miners of the Northumbrian coal pits, the artisans who toiled at the looms of Norwich and the anvils of Birmingham, felt the change without understanding it and the cheerful bustle in every seaport and every market-town indicated, not obscurely, the commencement of a happier age. End of section 12. End of chapter 22. End of volume 4. Recording by Richard Carpenter in Seattle, Washington.